This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Car.com has announced its 2022 Car of the Year Awards, and they're the most useful awards of their kind for car buyers, at least we think so, so we'll give you the details on that coming up. Toyota has just introduced something that Chris Teague will love a lot, the 40th anniversary edition of its 4Runner SUV. We'll have details on that. He's salivating about that. And there's a new Honda CRV waiting in the wings for 2023, so we'll give you a little bit on that too. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, stuff we love. Chris, we're in the midst of the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, What are you and your family up to? We are looking to buy a boat, although I don't think we're going to get it there before this weekend comes up. Plus, it's also uh, a little bit chilly here. We're in the 60s, so uh, the water temperature uh, is probably pretty lethal at this point in time. But let me point out how excited I am about the Forerunner. I did not realize that the Forerunner and I are the same age. Uh, because I also have a 40th anniversary in 2023, although there will not be 4,040 copies of me made uh, to commemorate the occasion. Ah, well, we don't think so. Uh, Cloning (laughs) hasn't been perfected yet, so I guess not. But that's exciting. What type of boat are you looking to buy? We're looking at a pontoon boat. We have a little bit of waterfront on a river, so uh, that should be good enough for us to get out and yeah. Have some fun and let me go fishing. Yeah, that's a terrific family kind of boat. I, I like that a lot. So uh, we're probably going to rent a pontoon boat when we're down in Texas at a, our lake vacation uh, later in the summer, right around Labor Day weekend, I think. Well, I was driving the 2022 Kia Nero PHEV, the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. What was your vehicle? I drove the Subaru Forester Wilderness, a very uh, rugged version of the, the SUV. We have a terrific interview for you. Our special guest is Darren Palmer. He is the vice president of global electric vehicle programs at Ford Motor Company. He is an absolute expert on the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning pickup truck. Of course, I had a chance to drive that in and around San Antonio, Texas recently. It's one of the most impressive vehicles I have ever driven. Before that, we'll bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world, including the Car.com Car of the Year Award. So stay with us for all of that. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. This is Jackie Red with you. It's news time, and I think we have some valuable news for you. We try to have valuable news every week, but I think this is particularly valuable news for car buyers, and it is the Car.com Car of the Year Awards. I was intimately involved in this, truth to tell, but these awards are put together in a way different than the typical Car of the Year Awards in that they are in functional categories, is the way I describe it. Uh, Categories that I think are very consumer-friendly, as opposed to categories that are industry-oriented, which makes sense a lot of sense for the industry, doesn't necessarily make any sense to uh, people out there who are buying vehicles. But they're in various categories that you could probably relate to. There is the best value car, the best family car, the best electric car, 
the best premium car and the best luxury car. So I'm going to dive right in and, uh, you know, I'd love your comments. In terms of best value car, so this is essentially the best value under $35,000 on the marketplace. The choice is the Honda Civic Sedan. And I just think it's one heck of a value. This is costs well less than $35,000. You can get a 1.5 liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine, 180 horsepower. This this car is a blast in addition to being a great economy car. What's your take on the, the Honda Civic, Chris? I agree. I was surprised at the quality of the interior, the interior space, the comfortable ride. And at the same time, it's it's relatively fun to drive even outside of the, the Civic Si, the sporty trim. So they knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, I just think this is the, the one to... Uh, to look at when you're looking at best value, especially among cars. Now, best family car kind of takes things in a different direction. The The price bogey on this, it can't be over $70,000. That seems like a lot of money, but heaven knows people are paying well over fifty dollars uh, up to $70,000 for their family vehicles uh, this time around. And I think the, the Teague family probably paid a big a big dollar for their XC90 not long ago. But the best family car uh, choice from car.com is the Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, that now comes in three flavors. I just think there's so much to like about this. There's five passenger versions. There is a plug-in hybrid version. There's a three-row version. This is a vehicle that has really impressed me throughout, and uh, I'm wondering about your take on that, Chris. I think so, too. They've done a great job with this latest generation of moving it upscale, and at the same time, you had the four-wheel drive capability. You can take it off, light off-roading, maybe even heavier off-roading. Uh, so I think it's a great all-around vehicle, and as you mentioned, uh, plenty of room inside, even for just the regular Grand Cherokee, not even the L. So uh, it was an impressive effort for 2022, and I like it a lot. Again, well under the $70,000 uh, price bogey for this. I'm, you can get a Grand Cherokee for as little as about $40,000. Uh, the three-row Grand Cherokee L has a base price of about $42,000, and then there is now the Grand Cherokee 4xe, which is the plug-in hybrid. Really interesting vehicle, too. Here's one that might be a, a bit controversial. It is best electric car, and of course, there are a lot of great electric cars out there, but the choice of car.com is Kia, the Kia EV6. Of course, that's the vehicle that uh, Kia is using to kind of transform the way people look at Kia. It, it just so happens there is one, uh, totally coincidence, uh, there is one in my driveway right now. So I've had a chance to drive it over the course of the last two days. And I just get more impressed with this vehicle every time I drive it. Uh, a lot of times, uh, depending on the configuration, it can have a, a range on a charge of over 300 miles, which is uh, really spectacular. It's not a particularly expensive vehicle, a base price of $42,000. So I think there's uh, quite a bit to like about this vehicle. What's, what's your take on the EV6? Yeah, 800-volt multi-charging system. You can go from 10% to 80% in under 20 minutes. We talk a lot about infrastructure. One of my biggest pains is charging time. So uh, this vehicle is a win for me, especially with the range. And I can't get over the styling, Jack. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, it really does. I've got one in a matte uh, gray kind of finish right now in the driveway. It's just a stunner out there. Very cool. Well, in terms of best premium car, and this is a vehicle that is uh, $60,000 or less, the choice, again, is not actually a car. It's a, a sport utility vehicle. This recognizes the fact that sport utility vehicles are the cars of choice these days. And this is the Genesis GV70, kind of the de facto vehicle of choice for people in that segment. I think you're probably a fan of the GV70, too. What do you think, Chris? I am. The GV70 is uh, one of the few vehicles, the GV80 and then also uh, the G70 were the vehicles that people actually stopped and took pictures of in my driveway. You know, I've had 
$100,000 BMWs, Mercedes, Audis sitting in the driveway. Nobody cared, but you park at Genesis and people stop. Again, if you care about price, and I think we all care about price here. We're not millionaires on this show. The GV70 starts at 42000 about $43,000. That's including the destination charge, so that's quite good. And even if you go to the sport version, you're looking at $55,000. So for a premium vehicle, I think you're in pretty good shape. And uh, best luxury car, this is uh, almost uh, non-price sensitive. We're looking at vehicles that are under $150,000 at car.com. The choice, I think, it might, again, might be a bit controversial, but interesting. It is the GMC Hummer EV. This is a vehicle that's just amazing, and I've had the chance to drive it as not too many people have up till now, but uh, the capabilities are kind of beyond belief, and I think it takes uh, luxury driving in a completely different direction. This has incredible power, a thousand horsepower. It's just an amazing, blow-you-away kind of vehicle that can, can walk sideways, uh, uh, just do all kinds of things, uh, and including driving itself with Super Cruise. Uh, it's quite a bit of money, $110,000 or something like that. But I think this is just a, a, a blow you away kind of luxury vehicle. I agree. Although I wouldn't want to have to park it anywhere in a city. <laughs> it might work well here in Maine, but I don't know about Los Angeles, but it does look phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, the good news is you can almost park it sideways. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let's get uh, cut to the chase here. And I, there's been a lot of chase, but let's cut to the vehicle that was named Car of the Year, which is the most important award from Car.com Car of the Year. And it is the Jeep Grand Cherokee, for all the, the value reasons we've already talked about, I just think this is such a stupendous value. It's right in the middle of the marketplace as a midsize SUV. It's, it comes in several versions, all of which are uh, just terrific with wonderful interiors, uh, great accommodations. I just think uh, this is a, a real winner of a vehicle and worthy of the car of the year title for 2022. I'll actually agree with your assessment here as well, Jack. You know, I think they nailed it with the technology. It's got excellent infotainment and great family-friendly tech inside, especially for the the higher trim levels. Uh, one of the best stereos I've ever heard in any car ever in the Macintosh audio system. Uh, styling is great and the value is there, as you say. So I totally agree with that. Well, now let's talk about celebrating Chris Teague's uh, 40th birthday, along with the 40th birthday of the Toyota 4Runner. Toyota is celebrating uh, Chris Teague's birthday with a 40th anniversary special edition of the 4Runner. It seems like the best birthday present you could get, Chris. What do you think? I think it would be, especially given that you and now everyone that's been listening to us knows how much of a Toyota fan I am. Uh, but those stripes and the look, man, it's just uh, it's killer. I think they did a great job with the styling. I love the stripes, and I'm glad you love them too. I mean, you're significantly younger than I am. I, I remember that that color scheme. Uh, it's just kind of I, I don't know why that uh, brings a smile to my face, uh, but it certainly does. It has. Uh, just really interesting stripes on it that are way, way throwback. And I guess that makes sense in a 40th anniversary edition. Um, these are yellow, orange, red body graphics that are very, very cool. And here's something that I think is also aimed directly at Chris Teague, and it is the bronze-colored interior trim. Talk about that, would you? <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker for brown interior trim. I think the bronze works well. They've got the bronze wheels on the outside. Uh, you know, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because they could have put almost any color interior in this thing and I would I'd be over the moon. We had a, a black Toyota truck when I was very young with the same sort of stripes. My aunt had added them uh, after market or after the fact. So uh, this is right up my alley. Don't think I'll be able to buy it. But man, I, I have no complaints. Yeah. 
Very, very cool. Well, now let's allude to one other thing we talked about in the first segment, and that is the fact that there is going to be a brand new 2023 Honda CRV. Of course, that's one of the most important vehicles for Honda. They haven't told us a lot about it, but it is imminent. What's your take on that whole thing? I think that they've done a great job in recent years with the the hybrid versions of these vehicles and with improving the technology. So, uh, the update in 2023 will be welcome. You know, I think they've they they could use an infotainment boost. They could use some some refreshments. So I'll be excited to see what they end up coming out with. Yeah, they're hinting at the fact it's going to be more rugged and manly. You know, the CRV always had kind of a you know maybe a, a little bit softer uh, kind of persona. So we'll, we'll see what comes of that. And when we come back, we will be road testing some pretty cool vehicles, uh, including the uh, Subaru Forester Wilderness. And I was uh, road testing the um, Kia Nero PHEV. So stay with us for that right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. Jack Red with you. And it is road test time. And wow, we have some interesting vehicles for you. I mean, this off-road thing is is reviving pretty big time. And Chris, you were driving a vehicle that uh, kind of speaks to that. Why don't you tell us about it? Yes, I was driving the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Uh, Jack, you and I have talked frequently, at least in the past, about how Subaru seems to be one of those brands that really listens to what its customers want and is willing to tailor their vehicles or their product to those those wants. And Jeep happens to be another brand that I think does a good job of that. But uh, Subaru obviously felt that its owners were taking their vehicles off-road. They're lifting them. They're adding knobby tires to it. Uh, so they just went ahead and made one of their own, and they came up with the Wilderness trim. Uh, it sits right below the top touring trim in the the uh, Forester uh, lineup with a price tag just shy of $34,000, so pretty good value. Uh, the base model, just for reference, is around $27,000, so it's not a huge markup over the base model. Uh, it's got a 2.5-liter boxer four-cylinder engine that makes 182 horsepower and delivers a 1,500-pound tow rating. Uh, so if you're thinking, oh, that sounds pretty wimpy, that's enough to pull like a flat bottom boat or a small trailer. So uh, probably ideal for the people who are going to be taking this vehicle off into the woods for a weekend away. This vehicle rides a little bit higher than the standard Forester. It comes on black 17-inch wheels with all-terrain tires. And Jack, I know you've probably driven both the Outback and the Forester Wilderness, but I want to get your opinion on how the sort of off-roadiness behaves with these Subarus. Do you like the way they drive? Do you like the way they look? What do you think? I do, and I would say there's no brand that knows its owners better than Subaru does and that does a better job of tailoring its vehicle to what those owners want. And I, I see that in, in every Subaru product, and I think it gives them the, the right amount of off-road capability. It doesn't kind of bowl them over with more tech and, and more stuff than they need, but it gives them the sense that they can go anywhere, and uh, largely they do. Yeah, and one thing that they did really well here is they didn't sacrifice on-road comfort to get that additional off-road uh, ruggedness or capability. In fact, I would say that the the wilderness, both of the, the wilderness trim, both of the Outback and the Forester that I'm testing this week, uh, feel better over rough roads than their counterparts, even though they're all sort of uh, off-roady wagon type vehicles. Uh, one thing I'll say is that if you have pets, I think the wilderness is probably the forester to get for you. It's got waterproof synthetic, it's not leather, but synthetic upholstery. Subaru calls it StarTex. It feels a little bit like vinyl, but it's a lot nicer than that. It's got a nice texture to it. My dog hopped right in after a rainy day and uh, got right back out again, and you couldn't even tell he was in there after I wiped the seat out. So huge benefit there. If you have kids, you know, 
spilling stuff in the back seat, which I do. They didn't spill stuff in the back seat of this car, uh, but they frequently do in my car. So the waterproof is a big benefit there too. Uh, the vehicle has power and heated front seats and it has no heated steering wheel, which is, I think is a miss for this model. I think, you know, people out in the woods driving around might want a heated steering wheel, uh, which you can get on the top touring trim, but not on this one. Uh, inside it's got an eight inch touchscreen. It's got an available Harman Kardon sound system, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Uh, Subaru Starlink infotainment is colorful, uh, but it's not the most responsive on the market and it's not the most intuitive. I think that Subaru tries to jam too much into one screen as opposed to spreading them out and leading you through a guided menu system that would be a little bit easier and more intuitive. But uh, by and large, you know, the screen works well and the stereo sounds awesome. So uh, very comfortable, very nice tech inside this vehicle. Uh, Subaru includes the full EyeSight uh, technology package here, which is adaptive cruise control, automatic emergency braking, lane departure alerts, lane keeping assist. And I found, you know, we've owned a Subaru. We just got rid of a 2015 Outback last year. I found that Subaru does uh, its implementation of these advanced uh, services very well. If When I compare the Forester to even my 2022 uh, Golf GTI, the the uh, blind spot monitoring and the rear cross-traffic alerts are both more responsive, and they both have a bigger range or longer range to pick up these vehicles. Uh, and the alerts are very pleasant, so they don't you know scare you while you're driving. But by and large, Jack, I think that Subaru did a great job with this vehicle. You know, We've talked about the wilderness before. Uh, I think that it does rugged just right. It's sort of the the three little pigs or the Goldilocks, I should say, not the three little pigs. Get my fairy tale straight. It's the Goldilocks of off-road vehicles because you maintain on-road comfort and then you get the additional off-road capability. Yeah, well, I agree with you. And like I say, I think Subaru really understands its buyers uh, pretty much to the kind of dog that they own, right? So <laughs> it's it's a great brand, uh, you know, for those folks. And I like it a lot. Well, I was driving a vehicle that I think is quite interesting because every one of them is electrified, but there are three different variants. It is the 2022 Kia Nero. Uh, and you can get it in a hybrid version, a plug-in hybrid version, which is the version I drove, and a battery electric version that I have also driven. But uh, this review is about the the hybrid, uh, the plug-in hybrid version. And this is essentially a small station wagon, although I don't think Kia will say that about this vehicle. They might tell you it's a small crossover SUV. But certainly fuel economy is its chief calling card. It is about the same wheelbase as the Hyundai Ioniq, but it's shorter than the Ioniq. Uh, so either here nor there, I guess, may be interesting if you're going to compare the two. Uh, the plug-in hybrid is available in three trims, LXS, EX, and EX Premium. I was driving an EX Premium version, which was kind of pricey, and we'll get to that. But uh, a lot to like about this vehicle. I, I mean, plug-in hybrids are an interesting uh, combination of electric and non-electric driving and maybe a really good one or maybe they they don't work i i'm kind of curious as to your take on the the value of plug-in hybrids chris how do you feel about them you know i've come around to them in the past probably year or so i would say the ability to have an all-electric range but also the sort of security blanket of a gas engine is it's a great stepping stone it's a stop not stop gap but a great stepping stone to an electric vehicle especially for people like where i live where Chargers are few and far in between. Absolutely true. Well, this combines a, a 1.6 liter four-cylinder engine with a AC synchronous magnet electric motor. Total system horsepower is not going to blow you away. It's 139 horsepower, but it does have quite a bit of peak torque, and that's available pretty early on, so we like that. The plug-in hybrid uses that uh, engine motor transmission combination, but they 
put in a larger capacity battery, an 8.9 kilowatt hour lithium ion, ion polymer hybrid battery. So you'll get about 26 miles of electric only driving range. And if you're just driving around town, you can drive this as an electric, maybe during the week. And then if you go off on the weekend, you have that gasoline engine to kick it up and, and have some fun. So there's a lot to like about that. The, the plug-in hybrid is rated to 46 miles per gallon for combined city and highway driving when using just the gasoline engine. So that's you know, pretty economical. Hybrid mode is rated at 105 MPGE, or miles per gallon equivalent, that I think confuses a lot of people, or maybe they just don't understand what it is, but that's a good rating in any case. Uh, it has a pleasant, if mod a modest, interior environment. It has more interior space than the Prius and the Ionic. It's pretty upright, so you have this command of the road driving experience. And the cargo space behind the second row seats is about average for its class, uh, which is about almost 20 cubic feet of luggage space, which is quite a bit in a, in a vehicle this small. And then there is the Kia uh, infotainment system. Uh, this, this, along with Hyundai, is, is kind, always kind of uh, problematic uh, because the larger screen version, the 10.25-inch uh, display version, which is what I had in the car, does not have wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. We have talked about this at length on the show. It, it's amazing that we're probably in the third year of this happening. And... Uh, we have that going on. But uh, this is a vehicle I liked a lot. I think there's a lot to like about it. Uh, let me tell you about uh, the price, however. Uh, price for this vehicle, $37,820 on the MSRP. Now, it does qualify for a $7,500 uh, federal tax credit. So you can look to that. What's your take on the, on the overall value of this uh, plug-in hybrid version? Yeah, I think for the right person, it could be good, especially with the tax credit. That price is a little steep from me, though. Uh, I will say I do like the direction Kia has taken with the Nero. The new styling looks more grown up. It matches, it aligns with uh, the Carnival minivan and the Telluride SUV. So they've done a good job at sort of bringing those higher end styling elements down and, and really sort of amping up this, uh, what was a, an entry level sort of vehicle, but, you know, this price tag and positioning is moving up up the chain a little bit. I think this is an instance where the, the manufacturer is leveraging that uh, tax credit pretty significantly by having this kind of uh, MSRP. I mean, you're talking about close to $40,000, but with, with the $7,500 tax credit, which of course doesn't occur immediately, uh, it knocks it down to closer to $30,000, which is a much more palatable price for a vehicle this size. I think you would agree, right? Yeah, it's just a shame. You know, a lot of people will get confused about that tax credit. And depending on when you buy it, you could be waiting quite a while to see that money back. Yeah, it's something you probably have to find if you're financing the car, you have to finance a car that's going to cost 40 grand, right? And, you know, then cross your fingers, uh, the $7,500 tax credit will eventually uh, either help you pay your taxes or you will get some, some money back on your taxes. I think. Uh, for the right person, it's a way to dip your toe into EV life without going full boat into it. And it's interesting to me that Nero is available only as electrified versions. Uh, of the three, which one do you think you might uh, step up to, Chris? Would it be the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, or the all-electric? I think I would go plug-in hybrid. My daily commute is around 15 miles, so I could get 
you know, a day or two without having to stop or even charge it, uh, much less stop at a gas station. So I think for me would be that that would be the best choice. If I did more highway driving, the, the hybrid would probably be where I land, though. Yeah. Well, so interesting vehicles this time around, uh, not for everybody, but certainly for the right buyers, uh, both the uh, Subaru Forester Wilderness makes a lot of sense. And it is that off-roady kind of thing that uh, you can smell the pine needles, uh, you know, when you step in it, at least uh, figuratively. And then there is all that is available from the Kia Nero, all electrified all the time. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Uh, when we come back, our special guest is Darren Palmer. Vice President of the Global Electric Vehicle Programs at Ford Motor Company, talking about the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning pickup truck. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's Jack with you, and we're in San Antonio, Texas. I think we're on the 11th floor of a hotel in San Antonio, Texas. And with us is a terrific guest. What a knowledgeable guy about electric vehicles. And heaven knows we've been speaking about those over and over again uh, on America on the Road recently. Darren Palmer is Vice President of Electric uh, Vehicle Programs at Ford Motor Company. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate being asked to speak as well. Well, we're, uh, we have driven, I have driven, you have driven at uh, some length, but I have driven at a uh, much lesser length, but uh, also at, at some length. The uh, Ford F-150 Lightning all-electric pickup truck. You have a smile on your face about this vehicle because there's a lot to like about it, I think. Uh, give our listeners a, a sense of uh, what this vehicle is, why it is, and, and all that, and then we'll dive yeah. into some specifics. So this vehicle was made to be the vehicle that gains people's interest into EVs. This is the one we have configured to have no excuses, all the performance, all the power, all the towing, and even a price that's in the same range as gas is today. So uh, when you experience what it does, you know, I think within a few minutes of driving it, even if you're a person who says electric's not for me, um, it will show you what you're missing. Um, I'd say, People liked flip phones till they had an iPhone. And I say, the great thing I can, I'm really proud about is that we're gonna have them in almost every dealer, Ford dealer in the US this year, which means everybody gets a chance to try it. This is a daunting task, isn't it? I mean, the Ford F-150 is the best-selling vehicle in the United States, critical, critical vehicle uh, for Ford Motor Company, the uh, franchise, really. So electrifying that, I mean, you, you don't have a chance to make a mistake, do you? No, you're right. Uh, over 45 years, number one selling truck, and, uh, and decades and decades of the best selling of any vehicle in America. So we take this one very seriously, as seriously as our Mustang Mach-E. That was also a big one. Um, but this is the really big one. The good thing is it's got a lot of love from people. F-150 means a lot to a lot of people. They've told me the stories and their families and everything. So we took it serious. There's a lot of love in this product. Well, there's uh, a lot of love for this product, which actually m might make for some criticism, right, if you don't get it right. But I think having driven this, I think will exceed expectations all around. 
because not only does it seem to have essentially all the capabilities of the conventional F-150, but it has a lot more capabilities too. Uh, why don't you dive into some of those things yeah. that this vehicle can do that uh, the gasoline-powered F-150 cannot? Yeah, so it had to, because to show people, to tempt people in with this new technology, we were looking for things that are really going to resonate for them that does more than before. So the first one is bi-directional power. So it's like a huge power bank on wheels. You're used to using those with your phone, etc. except this is serious power. So 9.6 kilowatts. I mean, that's most houses, a big house would be running probably at four um, without the AC on, and maybe eight with one of the ACs on. So it's a lot of power, and you're bringing it with you everywhere. There's 11 sockets on the vehicle and two USBs on the outside, high power as well. So you can power anything. We had it running, I think, four, four grills, television, some other things today and all day long and for days it's because that power is actually not much compared to what the truck takes so it will do it for a very long time like it'll run a crew of 12 or 13 people building a house for three days and still have enough to go backwards and forwards 20 or 30 miles so it, it really is a lot of power and it also has backup power for your home so when you get it set up in your home you just plug it into charge at night and then if the power goes out it will power the home the whole home, in most people's homes, for three three days with AC and other, but and if you ration power a little bit, ten days, and and it so it will protect you and your family from any outages. And if it comes back on or you have rolling blackouts, it rapidly charges back again as soon as the power comes back and it's ready again to go. So there's that's one feature. The second one I mentioned is the mega power frunk. So when we took the frunk front trunk. When, when we took the engine out, it left some space, not as much space as you, it would, you would imagine, the engine's not that big, but then we took the opportunity to make use of, of everything, every piece of space. Because other stuff goes under the hood beyond Lots the engine, of things. right? Yes. Yeah, the air conditioning, the brakes, the battery, other, other parts, there's lots there, but we worked really hard to move them out of the way. Now you have an absolutely huge trunk, 400 litres. That's really similar to most medium-sized SUVs in the back. And you have that just in the front. Uh, also waterproof, you just hose it out if you need to, if you put something dirty in. Holds 400 pounds. It's very rare for those spaces to hold a lot of weight. And it has 2.4 kilowatts of power. Four, four home power sockets and two USB chargers. So it's ready for anything. You can put two sets of golf clubs in if that's your thing. A, a, a person the other day had a mobility scooter. He folded that up, put that in, and could plug that in while he's driving. Well, lockable storage has always been a problem with pickup trucks, right? Yes. I mean, especially with regular cab pickup trucks, but even with uh, pickup trucks beyond regular cabs. It's like, where do you put stuff and, and keep it out of sight? And that's a reason why some people didn't buy it, my family being one. We had, to, had the SUV. Um, but now you've got this hidden storage, and it changes everything, and it's beautifully done. You press a button either on the key fob or the phone or the watch or the vehicle or voice control you can do as well and, it, and it'll open up. Um, it's kind of got a Robocop style feel to the opening I've got to say if you see it. And then you can take things, walk away and it, and it will shut itself like, like the lift gates do but it's got a very pleasing way it works and it's very unusual so you don't see vehicles do that today. Well let's get to some of the numbers on this thing. Tell us about range. So the, the big numbers you, you, you know, you, your listeners may be interested in, range, 320 miles and that's on the long range version. Then 580, I was going to say 63 horsepower, 563 but, it, but we just 
achieve more. So it's 580 brake horsepower and it's 771 foot pound of torque. That's a lot. <laughs> and that, Is this the most powerful F-150 ever? By far. Yeah. But we've ever produced. Yeah. And that doesn't explain, I think you experienced some today, that no way explains how it feels. You, you, people think, hey, I know. But when you do that, it comes in in a fraction of a second, not a delay like a normal gas engine. Plus, there's only one gear. So it just keeps going. Yeah. And it's, um, I would say, hardened electric vehicle enthusiasts are still shocked by how it feels. And that's what we're seeing as uh, customers are now starting to try it. Yeah, so. I mean, as you're behind the wheel, it's almost like you're in some kind of a spaceship or something because you just hit the accelerator and the power just keeps coming silently and rapidly. Yeah, very, very I've heard people say, you know, that those, um, like those roller coasters where they accelerate at the beginning, you know, with electronic and they to send you up somewhere. It kind of feels like that, people are saying, because it's almost silent. It's like a magic carpet. Up to 60 miles an hour, you're waiting for the noise to come. And it never comes. And then, it, but it, I mean, it will still go at 60 miles an hour if you put your foot down, it still goes. So really on the truck, it's about capability, not pure speed, although mid four seconds. Well, and uh, so essentially that speed, that quickness is a byproduct of something else, right? It's to get the capabilities. To Absolutely. So um, it does do that. And by the way, it's mid four seconds. I mean, this is, this is sports car territory, although most of those sport car, sports cars are gas and they take time to spool up this thing's immediate. And so, so this is all about capability. And you may have a load in the back or you may have towing. What, what I'll say is it, it'll feel much more agile and much more powerful than any truck you've driven of this class of truck, I would say, much more. So I, I was practicing, I got some early units. I'm towing with my Expedition at 60 miles an hour. I put my foot down with a, a heavy load and it gradually rises with this vehicle. I put my foot down and it goes like hell, even with that load attached to the back. So the electric motors are just much more powerful. How do you decide how much power a vehicle like this should have, right? I mean, maybe there's too much or maybe that's going to, you know, suck more electricity than you want to consume. Tell us the thinking there. Yeah, capability. So we wanted to launch, we know that some people are unsure about EVs at the moment, natural, understand. So we got to show them what they can do and tempt them in. So we went with a dual motor version and in an electric vehicle when you've got the two motors they combine together. It's not like a gas where two and four wheel drive can be similar speed. An all wheel drive electric has usually two motors and it's double the power and performance. So therefore we went with that version and we standardized that version. They're all all wheel drive. Therefore they've got that higher power version. We also standardized the higher off-road like the FX4 on the gas so that they're completely capable off-road because it takes away all excuses and it also allows us to easily market at first more powerful than any F-150 ever sold. It's much simpler. A simple message and then has the range 320. We know that people feel better about range after 300. They feel this fits their life. I better. guess so. I mean, we've rarely seen a, a vehicle like this that has 300 miles. That's, range, that's right? right. But we tested that with a lot of people. And if it starts with a one, they're very nervous. If it starts with a two, a little bit better. But if it starts with a three, they start to feel better. And also, you know, every day you, you plug this in at home and you come out every day with a full charge. And most, a lot of people's lives. Well, and let's talk a little bit about charge times and fast charging and yeah. that kind of thing. Because 
uh, that's associated certainly with range and that's associated with people feeling comfortable about yes. being able to when, when you're on the road um, you want DC fast charging and that's provided there's a whole set of priorities so it's around 40 minutes to go from around I think 20 to, to 80 or something yeah something around that which is what you know you normally do you don't run the thing to zero most people right. would want a little right. buffer and so you don't want to take it to hundred uh, percent with fast charging no it's not so good for the vehicle so it will it will, char it will fast charge up to 90 percent actually but so it takes about 40 minutes thing is on most journeys let's say you wanted to go 500 miles the, the system has all of the charges it has the biggest charge network in America. There's 70,000 chargers brought together in this system, and the vehicle knows them all when it's cloud connected. So you, you don't have to research. You just type where you want to go. The vehicle says, hey, stop in this space for this amount of time to go from one charge level to another and go on your way. And you can adjust this, of course. But most journeys, it's going to tell you to stop for about 20 minutes, and you'll go and get coffee. By the time you're back, it's done. So because the optimum charging is the first piece. It charges even faster at the beginning. So that's why it's optimum. So most journeys, you, you, it may be tw 20 minutes of charging. And, and frankly, again, how long does it take to charge? Well, 10 seconds, you just plug and walk and go get your coffee. You're not having to watch it happen. So most people who are used to driving electric vehicles have got into the lifestyle. They haven't been to a gas station in years and years, and it's always ready in the morning. And then just occasionally on a journey, you have to stop for a little bit longer, like I say, 18, 20 minutes. So that's the lifestyle you get into. But most people who haven't had electric vehicles are always worried about that Well, and they're trying to replicate time. what they have because yes. that's all they know. I want to ask you, what, what, is the, what do you think is the coolest thing about this vehicle? What do you like most about the F-150 Lightning? So I would say it, it, the frunk, the mega power frunk, is the thing that changes it into a product that's right for my family. So all of a sudden, I've now got this hidden area. I can use it like an SUV. And then when I get it, and I did, I have one for a month of pre-production, all of a sudden, I'm starting to pick up things in the rear. I'm starting to think about getting canoes and putting them in and going down to the river. You know, things that you do in a leisure truck. And it's become this leisure, leisure truck for our family. Now I'm thinking of towing something in a small boat or something. So it's got me into that lifestyle. So the frunk is the thing that opened it up to me. And, and actually, half of the people who have reserved the truck don't have a truck today. As we sum up here, what is the one thing you think consumers should know about the F-150 Lightning? I think now I can say, I could start saying everything it does, and I used to do that with our Mustang Mackie. Now I just say, Go and try it. Even if you think it's not for you, I don't want electric, you've got all these reasons in your mind, I'm too worried about it, all those reasons, just go and try it. I would put it to you that in 10 minutes, whatever you thought you think you were gonna feel is not what you're feeling. And then you walk away wondrous thinking, hmm. Uh, well, Darren Palmer, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. It's a pleasure, thank you for listening. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. with you. We're so glad you're with us on America on the Road. We really do appreciate you listening to us. It's listener question time, and uh, I guess fuel prices are on a lot of people's minds because we have a, a fuel price question this time around. Um, and uh, I guess I'll just go ahead and ask it, Chris, and 
You can give us an answer. Maybe I have some thoughts too. We'll see. Uh, but Lonnie in Fresno, California says this, I can't believe how high fuel prices are in my area. I don't know quite what to do about it. Should I buy an electric car? Cars seem hard to, fi- uh, cars seem hard to find right now. Do you have other suggestions for me? Well, do you, Chris? Uh, maybe. Cars are hard to find right now. But I will say this. Buying an electric vehicle as a band-aid for high fuel prices is not going to work out. The payback period for you to break even between uh, the additional cost you'd pay for an EV versus what you're paying now for fuel uh, could be quite long, years in some time, years in some cases, I will say. Uh, I would say that if you can keep your current vehicle uh, maintain it properly, new tires, oil change, you know, drive it responsibly, uh, depending on what it is. You know, if you have like an F-350, you're probably not going to be a Ford F-350 pickup truck. You're probably not going to get the best fuel economy no matter how you drive. Uh, but I would say hold on to what you have depending on what it is. I think that would be my my suggestion at this moment. Jack, you may feel completely different than that. I don't, actually. I think that's really good advice because I think writing this out is probably the thing to do. I mean, we don't know how long this is going to be. And and frankly, there's a lot of things that indicate that this could be a, a longer stretch of high fuel prices than we usually see uh, because we're essentially artificially limiting the amount of uh, energy or the amount of uh, uh, fossil fuels we're producing in the United States. And that might go on for a while or it, it might end uh, fairly soon. We'll have to see. But certainly that's that has been the trajectory up till now. And I guess that's our show for this week. I wish we ended on a, a more positive note. But my thanks to Chris Teague for being with us. Chris, it's always wonderful speaking with you about cars. Thanks for being on the show. So wonderful being here, everyone. If you like what you heard, first of all, thank you for listening. But if you like what you heard, check out the SportsMap Radio website. You can find us on the Saturday morning schedule. There you can find our Apple podcast as well as podcasts on all their platforms and a formatted radio version of the show. We want to wish you and your family a happy Memorial Day weekend. And of course, let's remember what Memorial Day is all about, those people who died, sacrificed so much so that we could have freedom here in America and drive on America's roads. Thanks so much. And we're remembering them on Memorial Day. Our thanks to the SportsMap radio network stations for carrying America on the road. And most of all, thanks to you for listening to America on the road. We hope you join us again next week for another edition of America on the road.